0: Sox in the basement, on the air, big guest today, David Kaplan, the cap man going to join us. He's got his newly found White Sox love and season tickets that he went out and bought and I couldn't wait to bring him on and by the way, he is on ESPN 1000, which is now the flagship radio station of the Chicago White Sox, so why the heck not? So he is going to be on the show, Ed, sitting here at my nine foot homemade oak bar, you take a seat. Pop a squat, pour a beer for the next 30 minutes for fans by fans. It is Socks in the Basement, brought to you proudly by Family Waterproofing Solutions. The phone number, the website, on the logo for Socks in the Basement on every podcast player you can find. If you're telling Alexa, hey Alexa, play Socks in the Basement, and you don't see the logo, the website is famws.com. Have them check out any problem that is happening or may happen as the ground thaws eventually in the next couple of months, before your basement gets into trouble, free estimates they can do them on scene or virtually, tell them that we sent you, it will cost you less money. Ed, big guy on today. We got the cap man.
1: Yeah, it's, it's great to have cap on and it's also great to have somebody like him start to recognize that, hey, this White Sox team is the game in town, right? We're going to find out whether or not we're going to let him on the bandwagon, and we're going to ask him some questions There's because room. Dave is the kind on of guy. The bandwagon. No listen, belts, listen.
0: Cap is the guy who knows people really up high in the White Sox organization. I got a few questions for him about what he's hearing behind the scenes concerning how this offseason is going to take shape. Now, as far as the start of the MLB season, let's just take a look at the mess that Major League Baseball has put themselves in this week. It came out like there was like a letter from the Cactus League signed by a bunch of different people, including, I think, the mayor of Phoenix, that the Cactus League expressed to MLB they didn't think they'd be ready to start on time because of COVID-19 concerns. They wouldn't be able to start spring training on time. There was immediately a backlash to it because one of the signatures is the mayor that has a NHL team with guys in the indoor stadium watching the Coyotes. And so you have, you have the players inside. You've got fans in the stands. That's safe. But spring training outdoors and the guys working out would Which is, not be safe. It's ridiculous. So it smacked immediately of, yeah, it, it, was, it was a bad look. So immediately the Cactus League people sent out a thing on Twitter saying, we are completely ready to go. Uh, whatever that letter says, if they decide they want to go, we're ready to go. Right on time. Now the Athletic on Tuesday saying, and this is out of their San Francisco chapter of The Athletic, that officials from the Cactus League are now saying MLB got on a call with them and told them that they didn't want to start the season on time, but the players wouldn't agree to it. So if you guys will send this letter saying that this might not be safe to do and we might not be ready to do it, we could push this thing back a while. So essentially what Major League Baseball did was as an organization that was the first major sports organization that had to figure out how to play during COVID-19 and then successfully did a shortened season, had a postseason, and crowned a champion. And they've had the entire off season to figure out what they're going to do in 2021. It's not like they're getting a different news feed than the rest of us. It's not like they don't see what's going on uh, that we can see what's going on with this virus and the vaccines and everything else like that. They've now decided to hang their hats on well, COVID-19 is really scary now and we don't think we can start on time. When in reality, this is because they don't want to have to pay to players for a full season. And so they played on the fear over COVID-19 because they don't want to admit it's a money thing. It's got nothing to do with the virus, totally a money thing, and it's a terrible look at.
1: It's amazing that they are doing this again when all you have to do is rewind to the 1994-95 time frame when we had the last major strike right and what ownership is doing here is they're one they're insulting your intelligence as a fan uh because they don't think that that this stuff is going to come out or as fans we don't understand what football was able to do with limited people in the stands or you know what the coyotes are doing in Phoenix, like you said. There there's an NHL team with fans in the stands. And I don't know about you, but every hockey game I've been to, even in the big stadiums, the air is thick in those things because of you know, it's closed in because of the ice. It's sweaty. You can smell what the goalie had for lunch on his breath, even if you're in the five hundred level. It's just it's nasty in there in some ways. And you can almost watch the COVID float by because it's gonna grow in that atmosphere. But they don't (laughs) think that you can go outside and and sit on the lawn and watch you know a bunch of guys stretching and and taking batting practice i mean come on it's 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 very insulting but the owners back to what i was saying about 94 95 the owners we the fans were lost in that time frame the last time the owners tried to drum up fan support and tried to go us versus them very publicly the fans kind of went none of y'all millionaires billionaires boo-hoo either get on the field and play or we'll move on and they discover that the national pastime may not be quite as strong as it was in the 20s. So they're playing with fire if they think that we're going to, as fans, just sit back and be like, oh, oh, COVID, yes, of course. Um, let's stop spring training and and let's start the season late. And we, you know, we get it. We understand that the owners are hesitant to start the season on time. They don't want a full season. They're trying to maximize their revenue streams because they lost money last year with the shortened season and would not putting fans in the stands last year. But that's every business, right? Every one of us us who runs a business ran into problems in 2020.
0: I know local business owners right up the street. I know guys that have had to find 15 different ways to keep the place open, who use their personal credit cards to pay payroll so they don't have to fire the waitresses, who have had to go to takeout, carryout. I know one guy who actually bought the empty place next to him so he could just make up a carryout window. Now, open outcry brewing, the guy drove around with Santa Claus in the back and would drop off uh, a, a, your beer and the kids would get to meet Santa so he could drum up sales over on over on Western Avenue in in the Morgan Park area. Uh, we come into contact with all these different people on the broadcast basement on-demand radio network with socks in the basement, all these different businesses who have had to try to find a way to survive. And what we're dealing with here are mom and pop stores, people who this is their entire livelihood and they don't have a massive staff. And then you look at organizations like the White Sox or any other team in Major League Baseball and you would think you have the best of the best, the best marketing people, the best uh, promotions people, uh, the best sales people, the best idea people around, because of course they would be that because they've got these billion dollar organizations and they should have the best of the best in there. There's no ideas. Why is it that the local library up the street from me can go out and rent a screen that you blow up with an air pump and put up a movie for all the kids in the neighborhood for free? Using the funds they get for the library because they can't bring people inside during COVID and have events for them. Why is it that they can come up with that, but you haven't figured out? Well, we'll sell cheaper tickets in the uh, in the in the parking lot. We'll spread people out. You pull in like a drive-in movie theater. We'll have vendors walk around and sell to your car, and you can watch it on a screen. Everybody hits their horns when there's a home run, and we'll have like 20 percent capacity or 10 percent capacity inside of the ballpark, and we'll sell all of those uh, those uh, uh, luxury boxes and we'll have, we'll have things spread out, and we'll change the way that we sell our food. Like, where are the ideas? But no, your idea was to try to fool everybody into thinking that you were only going to delay the season out of COVID-19 fears, but you're not doing that. This, this story tells me you're just trying to play on people's fears to save money because you don't want to say, well, we don't want to start the season on time because we don't have to pay these guys for the whole 162 games, and we've got a collective bargaining agreement coming up, so we just want to mess with them because the negotiation has already started. They started negotiating last year. Every single thing that these, these two sides do right now is a negotiation for the, for the next CBA. And so what they're doing now is they're taking a crisis. They're taking the COVID-19 crisis pandemic. I mean, think of how low this is. And they're using it to try to drum up public support for delaying the season when it has nothing to do with COVID-19. Socks in the basement listeners, do the hard work. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Joining me on the phone line right now here on Sox in the Basement, and I'm going to tell you, it's a treat. I wouldn't normally think of having him on a White Sox podcast. He is a notorious, maybe the biggest Cub fan in Chicago media, but just recently told everybody on his radio show he was getting White Sox season tickets. Dave Kaplan on the program. How are you?
2: I am doing great, Chris. It is a honor to be with you, and That's exactly true, and it's ruffled some Cubs fans' feathers, and, you know, so be it. Look, the White Sox have a really good young team. People are like, what are you, bandwagon jumping? Yeah, damn right, I am. I love baseball. I met my wife at Wrigley Field. Uh, Yes, I'm a huge Cubs fan. I'll always be a huge Cubs fan. But I love baseball, and, you know, at this stage of my career, I chose not to work for Marquee. I chose to work at NBC Sports Chicago. We don't have the Cubs games. We have the White Sox games. The radio station I chose to work at, we're the home of the Chicago White Sox. And the jerseys say Chicago on the front. Now, look, you're talking to a guy who my brother is a diehard White Sox fan, diehard. And I was a diehard Cup fan, and we would call each other when the White Sox would blow a game late. I'd call and torture him and when the Cubs would blow a game in L.A., I remember it. My son was just a couple months old, and I'm trying to get him to go to sleep, and it's like the 12th, 13th, 14th inning at Dodger Stadium, and Cubs closer gives up a walk-off home run. I just had gotten my son Brett, who's now 26, to sleep, and guess what? There's the phone ring, and it wakes him up. a baby, Dodgers walk off the Cubs! <laughs> and that's how I was raised, in that – Well, now, some of my best friends work for the White Sox. My brother, my dearest friend in my world, diehard Sox fan, who said to me, I'm rooting for you guys in 2016. I want you to experience what I experienced in 05. The jersey says Chicago. We're not in the same division. I'll never root for the Cardinals. I literally despise the St. Louis Cardinals, respect their organizational success, But come on, man, White Sox have a hell of a good young team, and I'm excited to be sitting in their ballpark.
0: You're welcome. Jump on the bandwagon. It doesn't bother me whatsoever, honestly. But I I, I go back to what you just said about your brother. My brother-in-law now, I mean, he's been my brother-in-law for about 15 years, and we're good friends, and he's a nice guy. He's a huge Cub fan, his whole family Cub fans. And I said the same thing to him in 2016. I'm with you. I, I watched the games, I was like, I hope they pull it out, because honestly, I wanted him because of my love for him and my friendship with him, I wanted him to feel that. He he actually was at Game 2 in 2005, because my sister brought him because she thought he was never going to get to see a World Series, so you might as well watch a White Sox game. Like, he supported us in 05, and I felt like I needed to give it back to him, but I never said to myself... Well, I'm gonna go out and buy season tickets for the Cubs because they're good now. I mean, you're—is is it the baseball fan in you? Is that really what it is? And is it also, I would assume, because you, you know your TV station and your radio station are heavily affiliated with the White Sox, it makes sense for you to be around them so you can talk about them.
2: Yeah. Look, at this stage of my life, my kids are out of the house. It's just my wife and our dogs. We love baseball. I mean, I I would not be doing what I do for a living, if not for my time coaching college basketball and then scouting four years in the NBA. But my true love, what courses through my veins, is baseball. I can watch the Blue Jays and the Mariners at 9.05 or 9.35 at night and stay up wildly entertained, even if neither team is that good. I just love the beauty of the sport. It's not for everybody. I get it but it is for me. And so when I said to my wife, boy, Cubs are just dumping guys left and right. They're going through a rebuild. Yeah, I'll still always cheer for my Cubs because that's how I grew up. I'm a Cub guy. That White Sox team man, Liam Hendricks, and all these good young players that are there, and they're pushing their chips in, we should go to a bunch of games. I've got a son and his soon-to-be wife that live in Pilsen. They said, oh, we'll meet you at Guaranteed, right? And then one of my other sons said, you're getting tickets to the White Sox? Count us in. We'll go there. You can't tailgate at a Cubs game. You can at a White Sox game. There's nothing better than tailgating at a baseball game or getting to whatever stadium it is, grabbing a beer, cooking some food up if you're tailgating, or buying something to eat in there and sitting in beautiful sunshine. I'm not a Skybox guy. I've been to them. They're cool. They're very... No extravagant. I my wife wants to sit in the sun. So when I called the White Sox and said what I wanted to do, I said, Where is the most sun? My wife loves heat and sun like I do, and they told me where to sit. I'm like, I'm in, man. Not gonna make it to all forty one games. I'm not. My kids will go, I'll go, whatever the case may be. But they've got my support. Now if you told me, Hey, it's Cubs. It's White Sox, Game 7 of the World Series. I'd be thrilled for our city, but I'd still be rooting for the Cubs first.
0: <laughs> All right, so so let's talk about the Sox, Ed, because uh, you mentioned you have friends inside the organization. I, I don't know if you talk about who it is that you're friends with in there. I've had a few of my friends that mutually know you who tell me. It seems to me like you're you're wired in. So what do you think is going to happen? A lot of White Sox fans believe this team Needs another pitcher. There's no reason to rely on a Kopech coming back. He should have to fight his way into the rotation and needs to go. And and I'm not talking like a high-end guy. I'm talking a fourth or fifth starter and and needs another bat as well because Andrew Vaughn is going to be ready to go right off the bat either. And depth is a key. The Dodgers have depth. You know, the teams that win have guys that have to fight their way in. You're not waiting on a guy that's only hitting single-A ball. Do you think the White Sox are done as Rick Hahn has said, or do you believe, talking to people around the team, they are just laying in the weeds waiting to fill those spots?
2: I do not believe they're done. I don't. I think they look at, look, we're in a COVID time. We don't know when they're getting fans back. I believe they're going to get fans back at some point this season. Maybe there'll be limited attendance opening day. Maybe they will be... attendance by the All-Star. I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. But I do think Jerry Reinsdorf desperately wants to win again before his time as the owner is up. He's in his 80s. He said that. Tomorrow's promised to no one. And so, I think White Sox fans, they can complain all they want about Tony La Russa. I'm just telling you, that guy's a brilliant baseball guy. Yes, he's 76, but he didn't get any dumber. The game hasn't changed to that degree and the players that I've gotten to talk to that have said, Well, I actually have been very impressed in my conversations with Tony since he was hired, I truly believe that under Tony LaRussa, they're going to win a World Series. I truly believe that. I think they're all in. They've locked up their best young players. I look at Michael Kopech this way. Incredibly gifted. This August it will be Three years since he's thrown one pitch in a major league game. Three years. can't count on him. He may come out and be the second coming of Sandy Koufax, or he may come out and you go, boy, that guy just never made it with all that ability. Leave him to the side. You've got to go out and sign. Not Trevor Bauer. You're not going to give him $40 million a year. I don't expect that, and I understand it. But I do think they're going to add another veteran bat, and I do think they're going to add another competent starter that can give them innings. And I truly think this team will win a World Series with Tony LaRousse at the helm.
0: As a guy who I know follows the White Sox, I mean, it's clear that you follow the team, uh, but now even a greater interest because you're covering it on TV and also covering it on the radio, And and as you said, you're going out, you're getting season tickets and you look at this team, and you, I can tell you're excited about the young talent. Who's the guy? Like, everybody's got a guy that they look at and they go, man, that guy's the gamer. That's the guy that I, I want him up when it's time to, to swing the bat in a big moment. That's the guy I'm most excited to see in 2021. Who's Cap's guy?
2: Uh, That's easy. My guy's Tim Anderson. I'm a huge Tim Anderson guy. I like somebody who lets his personality stick out there and goes, I really don't care if you – think I'm too dramatic or too showy or you don't like the way I play. You can never say that he doesn't work hard, that he doesn't play with passion and flair and exuberance. And he's a really good player. But what I truly love about this guy is Tim Anderson decided to buy a home in the south suburbs. He said, if I'm going to sign this extension, and he did, I am going to raise my kids as Chicagoans. He didn't go, well, uh, you know what, honey, let's get a house in Scottsdale and we'll move out there and then we'll fly back. No, he has become a Chicagoan. He is an awesome, awesome guy in the room. He is a great role model. He's a family man and he's a damn good baseball player. So count me in, Tim Anderson. That's my guy.
0: You know, I find that funny because this is the third episode in a row where a guest has brought up Tim Anderson. Steven Nelson from MLB Network talked about how he became like the lightning rod for comments after La Russa was hired. Scott Greger last episode pointed out that he's very accessible, very intelligent, and gives great answers, almost like it makes it easier for those that are covering the team. Like, you need a quote, you go to TA. It seems to me like that's true. It seems to me like if you are looking for a guy to give you a comment and give you a thoughtful one, it would be T.A. He makes your job easier when you're covering the team.
2: A hundred percent. And look, I did 25 straight years as the host of the Chicago Cubs, either radio or television network. And so I got to know all of these Cubs players. I have this wonderful now friendship and relationship with Anthony Rizzo. I MC his charity events. He's an amazing, amazing guy. But in that Cubs clubhouse, there were a number of options to go talk to. John Lester, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, Kyle Schwarber, then Jake Arietta. You had all these guys who were eloquent, were willing to speak. But if you look at the other side, first of all, the Sox weren't at that level at that point they were rebuilding, and they had done it with some players who, while really good players and really good guys, some of them did not speak English. They were learning English. They used translators. And so when the media comes in and they want someone to answer, whether it's after a huge win or the club is struggling and they've got some tough questions, well, if you go up to whether it's Joan Mancada or Luis Robert or Jose Abreu, you don't want to hear from their translator You want someone to speak from the heart that the average fan connects with. Tim Anderson has never shirked that responsibility. I have so much respect for how he handled that role. Club struggling, club going through a rebuild. Nope, I'm signing an extension. I'm moving my family here, and I understand we have a tough, you know, period going on, or hey man, we just won a a big game and you all want to talk to me? I'm in. I think he's just a sensational, sensational guy to have on your team.
0: Dave Kaplan with us here on Socks in the basement. You know, Dave, I got to be honest with you. I was pretty excited that you were going to come on the show. You you also impressed my dad. Uh, Dad's kind of a... A radio guy, like he's really into it because of my short stint when I was younger. I I bounced around a few different towns in in the country and then eventually came back here to Chicago. And uh, dad's always followed it ever since his dad, his son got into it. And I've had a few mutual friends tell me that you and I are very similar, and I can tell. I'm I'm a fan. I'm gonna tell you this right now. I'm a fan of you because. You and I, I've been told by other people in the, in the industry who have met both of us who knew me when I was younger, go, you're just like Cap before, during, and after a show. Like How you keep like the studio, how you plan it ahead of time, what you want it to sound like. And I'm going to tell you, it comes through when I listen to your program. And I just wanted to tell you that you are the consummate professional I could tell when I listen on the air. And it's an honor to have you on the show.
2: Well, it's an honor to be on your show. And when I heard I had the opportunity, I'm like, all. In, and I appreciate your very, very generous and kind words. I'm just telling you that I don't get up and go to work every day. Like 99.9% of the audience get up, they go to a job that it's fine, and they've gotta figure out, I gotta get my kids through school, I I don't know if I make enough money, I gotta get my break for lunch at 12, and my job's okay, it's a job. Dude, I play at Disneyland every day, literally. I get up at 3.45 in the morning, I grab my mug of coffee, I shower, get in the car, I drive to the greatest city in the world, it's my hometown, I'll always be a Chicagoan, and I talk sports for a living on ESPN 1000 and NBC Sports Chicago. Look, I have a special needs son. I just lost my mom a month ago to a combination of Alzheimer's and lung cancer. My dad died when I was 68. I've had my share of tears or difficult times in my life. It's how you choose to move on from them. And I'm just telling you to get up every day and do what I do, I know how blessed I am. And I just hope that comes across because when I speak to high school or college classes, which I do all the time, now it's on Zoom of course, If you can get up every day and find someone to pay you enough to raise your family and live a comfortable life and you get to do what it is that you're passionate about, whatever that is, you're truly passionate about what you're doing. I don't care if you're driving an Uber, a taxi, you're a chef, you're a sportscaster, whatever it is, if you get up every day and you go, boy, I love what I do, you'll never work a day in your life.
0: That's great advice. And trust me, it took me a long time to figure that out myself. That is absolutely great advice from the Capman. And uh, Dave, once again, thank you so much for coming on Socks in the Basement. We'd love to have you on again. And you know what? Once we get fans back in the stands, I can't wait to bump into you. Uh, I owe you a beer for coming on, my friend.
2: I look forward to it. I will hoist one with you. And I'm just hoping that my Cubs can come back at some point and rebuild into. What the White Sox have right now? Can you imagine if we had the, if the San Diego Padres were playing on the north side and the White Sox had their young team? Oh my goodness, we couldn't wait for baseball to begin. But right now, I'll sit at Guaranteed Rate, go to a few Cub games, and enjoy baseball in this city.
0: Very good, Dave Kaplan. Everybody, thanks so much, Dave.
2: Thanks for having me, Chris. Appreciate you.
0: Are you a CFO, HR professional, or owner of a company, big or small, and you're tired of the typical health insurance premium increases each and every year? Out of control premiums with no end in sight. Well, now there is the elite benefits formula. This process has saved employers and their employees thousands, or even tens of thousands of dollars each year. These strategies are avoided by most insurance professionals, and the insurance companies definitely do not want you to know about them. But Elite Benefits of America is ready to help you. Just about all employers in the Chicagoland area can now take advantage of some or all of these strategies and start saving money. Butch Zimar from Elite Benefits of America wants you to reach out to him today visit elitebenefits.net or call 708-535-3006. So the interesting thing that I hear from Cap there uh, besides the fact that I'm going to tell you something on the air off the air he really is the exact same guy cuz yeah, I talked is. to him before he's that interview yeah. and after that interview he's the same guy and he's authentic and I like him. Uh, and I've never and I've never talked to him before this and I came away from it like I like this guy. Plus he actually was like Call me anytime. Sox do something. I'll jump back on Sox in the basement.
1: We'll have to take him up on that
0: for sure. Oh, I'm going to call him every day now. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to call him every day at 11 o'clock in the morning. I've got his cell phone number and I'm just going to call him up. Be like, what's up, Cap? And he'd be like, oh, Lanuti. And I'm like, you told me I'd call you
1: every day. Told me I'd call you whenever I wanted to. Cable Guy 2 starring Chris Lanuti and Dave Kaplan.
0: We're going to be best friends. All right. So, so here's the thing. I'm
1: sorry. Child's Play 2. That sounded more
0: like Chucky than it did. <laughs> the other thing that I found interesting is that He gives you a little bit of insight. Look, a lot of people say that he talks with the big boss man right up at the top there in the White Sox organization. And for him to sit there and say they're not done and Jerry wants to win, I have this glimmer of hope, even as a cynical White Sox fan, that Cap Cap actually has heard something or had a conversation that suggests to him there's still a hitter coming and still a pitcher coming. So while you might get upset because you see a guy come off the board in free agency or you see a trade that you're like, why didn't we go get this guy? I still don't think it's over and he at least eased my mind for another week or so just just by Dave Kaplan coming on and telling me that that's I feel better because I know that the people he communicates with are are it's it's like getting that information from the top or somebody very close to the top like he's at least getting that feeling. I don't think he puts that out there if he doesn't believe it. So that makes me feel a little bit better.
1: Yeah, and and I think, you know, it as Sox fans we're caught up in the moment watching the Padres do things that we think that the Sox should be able to do, and we're watching the top free agents come off the board. Real Muto just resigned with the Phillies. and
0: What a deal that was getting Grandel, huh? Right? Yeah. Grandel, that's a that's the highest average annual value for a catcher in history. $115 million, and the Phillies were going up against themselves in negotiations because I don't think anybody else was interested in him, and they go and shell out all that money. Luckily, Lucky for Real Muto that uh, Dave Dombrowski's in charge out there because he just spends and spends and spends, all right? But look at the contract that we get for Grandal and then compare it to that and think of the value because if, if Real Muto's 1A, Grandal's 1B in terms of production. If you actually look at the metrics, he's 1B in terms of how many runs and wins he's worth.
1: Yeah, and if you want to little bit more insight into how the Phillies just shot themselves in the foot. Uh, look at my breakdown about negotiations on the Sox in the basement block, <laughs> but but I, I think the White Sox are are just they're biding their time a little bit because the market is finally sorting out. It's just sorting out really late in the, in the off season here, and I think we'll get some clarity onto who is available, who is realistic within the Sox budget because it's fine. They they have a budget, but. There's plenty of guys out there. It just may not be the sexy names like Trevor Bauer, which isn't really a sexy name in and of itself, but he's the best free agent available. But there's plenty of veteran pitchers that are still, have a lot of life and use left in them. And there's plenty, uh, plenty of hitters out there that could jump right into the Sox lineup without any problems. And they don't have to be Michael Brantley. Sox in the basement.